Bucks fans, how's everybody doing? We are so excited for this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. As you can already tell, one thing's different. I don't know if you can tell, Scott is in the facility. He has made it into Advent Health Training Center. There are players in there, there are coaches in there. Most importantly, Scott is in there. So things have changed since the last time we have had one of these. And I just feel like in general, this is the most information answers certainty we've had about a lot of things in quite some time so i'm very excited about this i feel like we finally are going to have some answers for these people's questions that we've been having to just say we don't know too so uh, again if you have a question for us that we hopefully will have an answer to this time uh please go ahead and put those in the comment section on facebook if you're not already watching there we're going to get a chance to read some of those so as we give people a chance to hop on there, ask them those questions, I know there's a few different things we can talk about. First of all, there were a couple roster moves um, that came out of the press conference with Bruce Arians, so we'll get into everything he said in the press conference. But for now, uh, why don't you take us through those roster moves and what they mean? Yeah, it's like you said, this is a couple topics that people have asked us about repeatedly, and uh, we always had to say uh, we probably have to wait until the, the players get back in the building to really have an answer, and that's what happened. So. We've been asked a lot about Justin Evans, the safety. He's had foot problems since uh, a season and a half ago. And then Kendall Beckwith, who hasn't actually played since his very good 2017 rookie season because he hurt his ankle in a car accident in the following offseason. And now we know that the Buccaneers are placing Justin Evans on active PUP to start camp, uh, which, to be honest, isn't really a great sign. You would kind of hope he'd be ready to go by now. And with camp being so short, any time he misses makes it harder to figure out how he's going to work into the mix. Um, you know, usually if a guy starts on active PUP, either he's going to end up on reserve PUP or he comes off it at some point, but it usually takes a week or two and that, that compromises or comprises most of camp at this point. So you kind of, it kind of puts a big question mark over the Justin Evans situation. Uh, hopefully he'll be able to make it back. It's been a long, long haul for him. Uh, same thing really with Kendall Beckwith, who was, waived with an NFI non-football injury, that is designation. He's been, for the last two years, been on reserve NFI, uh, trying to make it back from that ankle injury, but it just hasn't happened. So that actually reduces that actually reduces the roster to 86, so it opens up a roster position. To be clear, Justin Evans on an active PUP list is still counts against the roster. The point of putting him on that is that it makes it possible for you to later do reserve PUP if you have to. Right. Yeah, that's and it's so sad for both of them that they've they've had to go through this. They both, you know, have been such promising players, yeah. especially Kendall now. I mean, that that first year he just looked so incredible. But yeah, I I feel like asked our you know, questions about Justin and Kendall have been some of the most common that we've gotten on this show. So at least there is a little bit of clarity for now especially with Kendall, but with Justin, yeah, we're just going to hope that he gets a chance. Um, and yeah, you know, that came out of the press conference with Bruce Arian. So what were some of the other things that you felt like you learned from him and that were talked about there? Well, he seems, Bruce seems confident that there's going to be a 16 game season, but he also had, had to point out that for that to happen, it's going to take a lot of discipline. For example, he said for him, he's basically only going to be in two places for the entire camp and season, either at home, or here in the office, and that's it. He's not going to go out to any restaurants or anything. And really, that's what it's going to take is is everybody buying in and doing everything to protect themselves when they're away from this building. Because as Bruce said, it's not going to be a problem in the building because you can't come in this building until you've been tested and you're negative. Believe me, I know from experience three times already. So and and other people had to do it more. So there's not going to be a problem with 
people contracting it here, it's going to be a problem with somebody potentially getting the virus outside the building. And then if they had came in contact with other people, then then you start to have the problem you see with the Miami Marlins. So uh, it's going to take a lot of discipline, but he does think it's very, very possible. He thinks it's going to happen. So that's very encouraging, obviously. The other side of this is you're going to be playing regular season football games after about two or three weeks of practice, which is just mind-boggling to think that a team can get ready that quickly. But everybody's in the same boat is what coaches will always say. Right. That's, that's very true. And, and I keep hearing that of how everybody's in the same boat, but at the same time, it's not the case because not every team has a new quarterback, not every team, you know, so it is interesting, but I mean, we do at least have the consistency of a coaching staff. So it's like, we, we sort of are in a better position than some other teams, especially maybe teams that have a new quarterback, but it's a rookie, you know, at least if you're yeah. going to have a new quarterback, one that's been doing it pretty well for 20 years feels like a good option, but it is sort of interesting that yes, everyone's under the same protocol, but I, I, I don't think it's going to affect every team the same way. So it will be interesting to see if you can start to tell, you know, who was hardest hit by these short off seasons. Um, we had a, a question from Chris Washington. Yes. Who do you think will be the feature back this year? Well, I think it's going to be a committee thing. Um, you just look at what Bruce has said several times that that's the way most teams do it now. Not too many teams have just that one bellwether back like Ezekiel Elliott that's going to carry every time or Derrick Henry. Most teams are doing it with multiple backs, and I think that's what Bruce wants to do. And even if you look at last year, Ronald Jones emerged, took the starting job away from Peyton Barber, but I was just looking at their – for answering a similar question for a mailbag, I was just looking at their, their carries game by game. And even after Ronald Jones took over the starting job from Peyton, there were still four or five games where they basically had the exact same number of carries. Now, if Keyshawn Vaughn, again, the rookies are going to have a harder time acclimating to the NFL in such a short period, but running back is a position at which you can, you generally can acclimate to the NFL better than any other position. You see rookies make instant impacts every single year. Just look back at Doug Martin, Cadillac Williams, work done it's happened multiple times in bucks history there is the complication that Keyshawn Vaughn started camp on the COVID-19 reserve list uh that by the way we can't say and we don't know because we can't be told whether that means he has contracted it or has been in close contact with someone who did that list is for both types and you're not allowed to say what it is so we don't know beyond that but he is on that list which means there's a certain period of time hopefully by time practices begin he'll be ready to go so uh, my point being, I think I'm pretty confident that Keyshawn Vaughn will be ready to contribute alongside Ronald Jones when the season begins. So I don't know if we're really going to have a feature back. If I have to choose, I'd go with Ronald Jones, but um, I think it's going to be more of a mix. Okay. And I love this. I've seen we have people watching from both Rio and Sao Paulo, Brazil and Puerto Rico. We've got a very uh, widespread audience this morning. Everybody is excited about the start of training camp. And speaking of that, we had Sean ask, are we going to be able to see video footage from training camp since fans won't be able to attend? Um, yes. And Scott and I will have a live show that we are planning to do from the padded practices because we know those are the ones that fans tend to enjoy watching the most happens there most closely resembles football as compared to some of the walkthroughs. And yes, we will um, have some people that are able to take footage that uh, we will be able to be out there. We'll just, you know, everyone's kind of at different tier levels of how far away they're going to have to be. But yes, we will have video for you guys from training camp, which is going to be really exciting. And uh, Scott, I wanted to hear, you know, what we've sort of found out about training camp overall now since the last um, time we've done one of these shows of a, you know, what players have had to do maybe to be in the building and then what we know about the schedule itself 
you know, we'd been wondering how will this compare to normal training camps of how quickly they get into practice, how much is strength and conditioning. So um, what have we found out now about what the actual schedule is going to look like for the next few weeks for the guys? Well, it's interesting because the dates of the, the beginning dates stayed the same. The quarterback, well, we did move the rookies from the 21st to the 23rd, but the quarterbacks were supposed to report on the 23rd. All the veterans were, were supposed to report yesterday on the 28th. Those dates remained intact, but it's not really where you would have been starting. You would have been coming in on the 28th and practicing by the 29th. Not in pads. You would have had a couple of days where you can't do pads or contact. But now that beginning part, first of all, they have to do the COVID testing and they have to do by league protocol, two of them 72 hours apart, both of them negative before they can come in the building. So some of the rookies um, should be able to be in the building uh, at this point, and then the veterans are just starting to get their tests. So the first time you're going to see veterans in the building is probably going to be August 1st. After that, there's going to be some amount of strength and conditioning where they're not on the field except to run or whatever. They're not doing practices. So I don't think you're going to see any um, training camp practices that you're used to seeing until the middle of August. And I don't think that the Buccaneers have released any specific dates yet, so I'm not going to do that. But I would imagine middle of August is when they will start, and then a couple days after that, they'll be able to put on pads. And Paul asked, who do you think will have the best rookie season of the guys we drafted? Well, you know, the, the guy that, that obviously you needed the most because you took him in the first round was Tristan Wirtz. Hopefully he'll step right in. But rookie, even really talented rookie offensive tackles um, sometimes have a hard time getting completely up to being stud left tackles or right tackles right from the beginning. I would expect Tristan to be a, a very good right tackle right from the start. I think he'll probably win that job, even though Bruce Arians said it's not certain. But it would be asking a lot for him to be, you know, Joe Thomas level of tackle right off the bat. It just doesn't often happen with offensive linemen. I hope I'm wrong. I hope he's an absolute star from the very beginning, but it's a tough thing to predict. Uh, you know, Keyshawn Vaughn, uh, Tyler Johnson, they're going to be fighting for snaps and, and jobs. But I think the guy that's probably in position to really make an impact right away that you'll notice and be excited about is probably Antoine Winfield. I think he's got a really good shot at winning one of those two starting jobs, even though it's a very crowded battle. And he's got Jordan Whitehead and Andrew Adams and Mike Edwards and uh, Dakota Dixon, a lot of really good candidates. But he's such a playmaker, and they want that on the field as soon as possible, even if maybe it takes a few weeks Maybe it's not right away from week one, but I do think Antoine Winfield is going to be a playmaker in this secondary um, relatively quickly. So I, that would be my pick. Okay. And I saw we also have people watching from South Carolina and Canada. Uh, we love hearing that. So always make sure you guys send that in when you're watching here. Uh, Jermaine asked, who will have the most yards and most receiving touchdowns? I don't know if he means receiving on both or yards, you know. If I'm assuming, yeah, because I don't think we're going to count quarterback here or something like that. So most receiving yards and most receiving touchdowns. So the old pick between Mike Evans and Chris Godwin question, huh? If you remember last year, it went back and forth. Chris Godwin was leading the team, and then Mike had a run, and then he was leading the team. And you remember we got to Atlanta, and Mike was like eight yards away from getting his 1,000 yards, and uh, that would make him the – other than Randy Moss, the second guy to do it for six straight seasons to start their career. So we we're already with that note because he's like eight yards away. And, and somehow Chris Godwin gets like 150 yards and beats Mike to 1,000. Mike did get there. And then Chris took over. And then Mike, even back up, I think Mike actually got ahead a little bit. But by the time they got hurt, 
Um, Chris was just a little bit ahead of Mike, just barely. They were both on pace to get close to 1,500 yards. And I think it ended up, uh, what was it, nine touchdowns for Chris and eight for Mike. So, I mean, come on, it could go either way. Touchdowns, in particular, are fickle. You know, you saw Chris Godwin. There must have been six times last year when he was tackled inside the five-yard line. He could have had 14 touchdowns, and, and he had nine, I think. So, um, if I have to guess, I'll go with Chris. Just I'll go with the incumbent. He, he won the battle last year, so uh, but it, it's going to be close. It's going to be one of those two. I, I, I don't foresee Gronkowski or anybody else taking that away from those two. Okay, and uh, Ajay asked, who's going to be our slot wide receiver? Um, and I also just overall wanted to talk about the slot position in general and where you use a slot wide receiver, where you might even want to use a tight end, sort of split out a little bit wider. What is sort of the reasoning behind who you put there and when, and who are some of those people on this team that could fulfill that role, whether or not it's a traditional slot you know, role, like you picture this being this like small, quick guy. Yeah, it's a, it was a very good question because they refer to that as the Z, and the Z encompasses not only third receivers, but the second tight end when you have two tight end, uh, or you can even have a back that you put out in the slot. So whoever that extra receiver is, whether it's whatever position they call the Z. Um, so, but I think probably the question is about which receiver is going to be the third receiver on the field when we go to three, which by the way, we did about 58 to 60% of the time last year, which I think is pretty in, keep, in keeping with most of the league. Uh, there's a few teams that bucked that trend last year, but most of the league is going 50 to 60% in 11 personnel, which is three wide receivers. And, uh, when we did that, however, the guy that came in as a third receiver wasn't always, in fact, wasn't primarily the slot receiver. We usually put Chris Godwin in the slot. He played about, I think, 40 to 50% of his snaps in the slot. And so Chris Godwin was essentially the answer to who's your slot receiver. But if you want to know who the third receiver is, it seems like a battle primarily between Scotty Miller, Justin Watson, and Tyler Johnson, maybe Bryant Mitchell, who was having a nice camp last year before he got hurt. Um, you know, the intriguing guy to me there, obviously Tyler Johnson, but we'll have to see. He's not going to have a lot of time to get ready for his first season. The intriguing guy is Scotty Miller, because if you put him on the field and you put him on the outside, and with all that speed, you saw him start to make some big plays last year before he got hurt again. With all that speed on the outside, that just opens things up for Chris and Mike. So even if Scotty's not getting a ton of catches, he can impact the game like Rashad Perryman did as the third receiver for a good portion of last year. So. If I'm guessing, I'm going Scotty Miller, but I'm interested to see how quickly Tyler Johnson can get in the mix. It may be a by committee kind of thing. Right. Yeah, that's true. Uh, we'll close out with this one. Daniel asked, uh, how good could Raymond Calais be? Or Calais. I keep saying it wrong. we got to go with the French. He's the French. Calais. It sounds so much cooler. <laughs> I think he um, – I wouldn't expect a gigantic role in the offense right away, to be honest with you. Um, I think that coach will probably have a few things for him. Uh, presuming he makes a roster because it's certainly not a lock for any seventh rounder. And that gets me at a point that my point that most sixth and seventh rounders, fifth rounders, they need to find some role on special teams to make the roster and to make the active game day list. And in Raymond's case, that could very, very well be either one of the return jobs. He was a good kick returner at Louisiana Lafayette. And obviously that's been a position at which we haven't had a lot of impact in recent years. I don't think he's done a bunch of punt returns, but neither had T.J. Logan before they put him back there last year, and that went well. So um, I think that Raymond has a chance to make an impact right away as a kick returner, which is something the Buccaneers could really use. And if that's the case, that will get him 
active and in the mix on game days, and Coach will have a chance to foul up some special things for him, maybe some catches out of the slot. But, again, we're talking about a seventh-round rookie who's only going to have a few weeks to get ready for the season, so I wouldn't expect a ton for him at the beginning. Okay, well, that's going to do it for us on this edition of Buccaneers Insider Live presented by Miller Lite. Thanks, as always, to all of you who joined us and submitted questions, and we'll see you right back here next week.